Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On today's episode, we're talking about personality tests. What exactly do they measure? How are they being used by individuals and in the workplace? And are they really backed up by science? We'll dig into some of the most common tests, and you'll find out our personality types. And today's hack will have you seeing green in more than one way. Hey, Lon. Hey, Lise. So we're talking today about something that I think we've all taken at some point, personality tests. Yes! I mean, we've all wanted to learn a little more about ourselves and how we relate to others through these tests, whether it's the Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, or even, you know, a BuzzFeed quiz telling you which Hogwarts house the sorting hat would place you in. Am I right? (laughs) Gryffindor, all the way Gryffindor. Ravenclaw? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? (laughs) Crickets? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So these tests, they're fun, right? And maybe it seems frivolous until you learn that the personality testing industry exceeds $3 billion. Oh my God. Are they hiring? (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) Open for work. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We're available. I mean, 3 billion with a B, like this is big Mm -hmm. business. And I mean, that's evidenced by the fact that the number of tests out there has exploded loaded over the past several years. Yeah, right, right. So we'll talk about what these tests are trying to assess. We'll talk about some of the most popular tests and if there's really any science to back them up. So before we dive in, let's clarify, Lon, what exactly do we mean by personality? Mm-hmm. Well, let me get on my professor hat here. <laughs> um, so the funny thing is there's actually no consensus even among personality psychologists on how to define what personality is. But generally speaking, we can think of personality as the totality of a person's behavioral patterns and their subjective experiences. Right. So, you know, personality is basically who you are, your unique traits, quirks, mindsets and behaviors, all of which influence how you think, feel, and act. Exactly. It's those consistent patterns over time that make you, well, you. (laughs) You know, personality helps to explain why some of us are more outgoing while others are more shy, or why some thrive on routine while others love variety. Right. And psychologists describe personality using key dimensions like introversion versus extroversion, sensitivity, curiosity, adaptability, and so on. But there aren't strict categories. We all have some introverted and some extroverted tendencies, for example. Great point. And we'll say this again and again, personality exists on a spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? And while parts of it are innate, you know, experiences and habits shape us over time too. It's pretty complex, which is why no one test can capture every facet. Right. You know, life does change some aspects of our personality. Mm -hmm. That's just normal, you know. And so personality tests provide insights into your general tendencies and work styles. But, 
your personality is unique and it is always evolving. So these tests don't define you. They simply bring patterns to light for self-reflection. And that's what's so fun about them. So I think we all want to get to know ourselves better. And sometimes it's helpful to have these tools to help dig into the complex beings that we are. And, you know, maybe they help us see some of those subtle or even subconscious traits that we have. And if nothing else, it doesn't hurt to kill a few minutes in line at the grocery store by taking a quiz to figure out which reality TV show fits you best. (laughs) Perfect way to sum it up. So (laughs) with that shared understanding of personality in mind, let's dive into those popular personality tests. Well, there are so many different personality tests out there. So to help narrow it down, let's go over four of the most common and widely used. All right, so first up, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or MBTI, or affectionately just known as the (laughs) Myers-Briggs. So this test has 93 questions. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. There are free versions online, but some experts recommend getting the official paid version from the Myers-Briggs website. Not that we get a commission off of them. (laughs) They have no idea who we are. Yeah. Um, So it sorts people into 16 personality types based on introversion versus extroversion, sensing versus intuition, thinking versus feeling, and judging versus perceiving. The Myers-Briggs might be the most well-known personality test. It's estimated that 50 million people have taken it since it became widely available in 1962. Yeah, and it's popular probably because it provides a real archetype that people can identify with, like being an ESTJ or an INFP. All right, so Lisa, it's time. Share, what is your Myers-Briggs type? (laughs) So the funny thing is I've taken it so many times in medicine, through medical training, we do take it multiple times. And mine actually changes each time, which is pretty common as your age and life experiences do influence your results. But I am always a strong J, though, which is totally me. So J stands for judging, and its opposite is P, which is perceiving. So judgers tend to make decisions based on logic and values, while perceivers tend to make decisions based on feelings or intuition. J's like lists and planning ahead and having a structure to their schedule. Oh, you're and like man, a woman after my own heart. <laughs> right, this is so me. This is so us. <laughs> like, as you know, on my last vacation, I deliberately tried to turn over a new leaf and leave an entire day unscheduled. And <laughs> it really was because the day before I ended up scheduling stuff from sunup to sundown. Luckily, my husband is totally on board with this, but I just don't have as much fun without a schedule to look mm-hmm. forward to. And what's the point of being on vacation without fun, I ask you. I was free to have so much fun once I had a schedule. (laughs) It makes sense to me. (laughs) Right? Thank you. This is why we're BFFs. But I mean, my other traits in the Myers-Briggs, they do vary, um, though I flip pretty much 50-50 between E and I, which is extrovert and introvert, which I think is accurate. I think I do gain energy pretty equally from both time with others and time by myself. And I think that's such a good point because people often think of extroversion as being like outspoken and out there and really sociable, which you are a hundred percent. But the, the piece there with the Myers-Briggs is where do you get your energy? Right. And, and I, in that, I think it makes sense that like you would be between an E and an I, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So humans are complex, right? (laughs) Um, So I've taken the Myers-Briggs also a ton, maybe at least six times in the past 15 years or so. 
Um, I've always been an extrovert. Um, so the pandemic lockdown was a difficult time. <laughs> and the definitely, dark ages. right. And, and a solid J as well. I need those lists, man. Um, so I think those fit me well. Um, but interestingly, I was an F, a feeler versus a T thinker. I was a feeler all through med school and residency. And then I flipped to a T to a thinker a few months into my chief residency year. And when I reflect, when I reflect on that, I know that was my first job supervising other people and I had to like lean into new skills. And overnight I went from being friends with people in the class below me to now I was like their manager Mm, and having to think more objectively. Yeah. Yeah being objective with decisions, relying less on emotions. And I've been a T ever since. Like I never flipped back. <laughs> you know, I think the feeling part of me is definitely still there. I'm not like a super strong T. Um, and the it, T you know, just beats it down. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Shoves exactly. it back in the closet. <laughs> Put those emotions away. <laughs> but I think especially with, you know, people who I'm close to or in mm-hmm. situations where, um, you know, it's important to really lead with your emotions, um, the, the feeler does come out. But altogether, I am an ENTJ. Um, So each of the 16 Myers-Briggs personality types has a label. Um, I've seen the ENTJ described as life's natural leaders, which sounds very flattering. But my favorite description in one site, it's called the commander type. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right? I was like, I don't know if I see myself leading an army anytime soon. I mean, (laughs) like not so Not this week. Not this week. Um, So ENTJs are described as leaders who enjoy helping people feel energized, people who are planners, organized, assertive, and outspoken. I mean, except for when I'm just really tired. (laughs) All of those adjectives are very tiring. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. It depends how much energy I have, right? I mean, my most recent result was not too different. You're ENTJ and my most recent result was ESTJ, which is the executive, described Mm -hmm. as being good at managing things or others and acting as a stabilizing force. So I where's my that. corner office, Lon? <laughs> it's next to my war room, apparently. <laughs> I'm in, as long as we have a chocolate drawer, okay, or, you know, a chocolate closet. Ooh, okay, let's aim mm. high. <laughs> but here's a random interesting fact. ESTJs are apparently the personality type least likely to believe that anonymity should be an option for online commenters. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, I will say I have believed for ages that people should be required to use their real name if they want to comment Mm, online. mm -hmm. It would totally cut down on trolls if they had to face real life consequences for their words. (laughs) That's so true. Right? See, I was just going to say, I bet that you also agree with that, which goes to show that these things aren't cut and dried. Exactly. I do. Right. And, you know, I actually like the Myers-Briggs, but this is a reminder that we can't be defined by just four letters. Right. Right. Like I'm definitely not all of the things that an ENTJ is all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of overlap between all of these types because every human being is unique. Right. And we'll talk more about this, but the downside to any of these tests is they may pigeonhole complex personalities and everyone has a complex personality. It's kind of like how your horoscope seems to describe you perfectly, but then you read the other 11 horoscopes and they all kind of sound like Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) We definitely need to include nuance when we look to apply the results of personality tests. Yes, for sure. 
All right. So on to test number two, the DISC, that's D-I-S-C assessment. It has 24 questions and takes about 20 minutes to complete. And this test looks at four traits, dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. Now, the dominant style is all about getting results and being confident and sometimes blunt. Someone who rates highly in the I works by influencing others, and they're usually optimistic and energetic. S stands for steadiness, which emphasizes cooperation, dependability, and exuding calm, while C is conscientiousness, and people in this quadrant are focused on accuracy and precision and may prefer to be independent. So DISC profiles are often used in workplaces, and you can see why, right? It evaluates different leadership preferences and teamwork styles. So it's a pretty good one if you're looking for a test for team building or some kind of strategy exercise. Now, personality test number three is the big five, and this examines five characteristics, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. There's some overlap there with the Myers-Briggs and the DISC, but the big five stands out because it's one of the most scientifically validated models. Yeah, so it's also used often by professionals because it can be administered by observation. So not just by self-report, as most other personality tests are. I think that's pretty interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. And so depending on the version that you take, there are anywhere from 50 to 120 questions, and it can take from 5 to 15 minutes or more to complete. So last but not least that we're going to talk about today is the Enneagram, which probably a lot of you have heard about, and that identifies nine personality types driven by different motivations, such as perfectionism or adventure. And personality types have numbers and names, like number two, the helper, number seven, the enthusiast, number eight, the challenger, and so on. And it's pretty popular in spiritual and personal growth circles. It has over a hundred questions. And fans of the Enneagram like that it focuses on internal motivations rather than external behaviors. Yeah, so I've taken this a few times and I'm tied somewhere between a one and a three. So the one is the reformer. That's the rational, idealistic type that's principled and purposeful and self-controlled, but also a little perfectionistic, (laughs) (laughs) which is not the great part of it. But um, and a three is the achiever that's success oriented and pragmatic, um, which I can see how I could be somewhere between those two. But my next three are like the challenger, the giver, the skeptic, you know, they're you just like you said with the horoscopes, I can read all of these and feel like I can relate (laughs) to all of them. So I guess, you know, we're all like a compilation of all of these and some just are, uh, you know, show up more often on a typical day than others. Right. We just sort of lean towards one end of the seesaw than the other, you know, like I think because for me with the Enneagram, I'm tied um, almost equally between one and nine. So one is the reformer like you and nine is the peacemaker who wants everything to go smoothly and conflicts to be minimized. And technically, I'm actually a one with a nine wing. And in the Enneagram, the wing is whichever number on either side of your main number has a higher score. And remember that these numbers are in a circle. Um, So a one with a nine wing is called the idealist. Uh, And the idealist is said to have a strong sense of right and wrong and a heavy desire for justice and equality. I'm a real treat at parties, let me tell you. (laughs) I actually love that about you. That's... uh... (laughs) 
All right. So there are so many other assessments that we just don't have time to discuss, like the Clifton Strengths Assessment, the Hexaco, the Hogan Personality Index, and so many more. Um, but these four are among the most established and widely used. So what do people do with what they learn from personality tests? Well, for the most part, they may be helpful for self-reflection on what your preferences are and what drives you. But people also use them to help guide career choices, such as recognizing that some leadership traits may make you feel more confident to go for that promotion. Or learning that you're more of an analytical thinker may help narrow down the job search to more technical fields. There is some value in that for sure, but just remember that these tests are not meant to limit you to any particular job or relationship. Right. So we're talking about how people typically take these tests for their own personal use. But I'm also like just really fascinated by how they're used in other ways, like for employment. Right. So personality tests have become a common part of the hiring process. According to Psychology Today, approximately 80% of Fortune 500 companies use personality tests to assess employees. Employers use them to gauge if a candidate will be a good, quote, culture fit, unquote. And tests like the Myers-Briggs or DISC can shed light on work style. Like, are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? Are you detail-oriented or more of a big-picture thinker? Yeah, so the idea is to align someone's temperament with their job requirements, you know, like pairing a logical thinker candidate with engineering roles or matching empathetic people to customer service. So we'll link to an article in our show notes on HippocraticHost.com that describes some of the ways that companies are using these tests in hiring, promotion, and other decisions. And we'd love to hear what you all think if you agree that that's fair or not. Yeah, we really would. Because, I mean, it's it's a fascinating concept that's pretty new. I mean, certainly our parents mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't have to worry about that. Right. So, you know, for this and other reasons, personality tests have become hugely popular in recent years. And now it seems like the stakes are increasing since employers are potentially using them to make decisions. You know, but is that fair? How accurate are they really at capturing the nuances of human personality? So that question about accuracy is such a great question. You know, some assessments are backed by more research and psychology than others. The Myers-Briggs, for example, was developed based on Carl Jung's theories about personality archetypes. And we mentioned the big five earlier as being more founded upon modern research than many of the other tests. And there is controversy over how scientifically valid personality tests are as a whole. So for any test, you want to make sure that we're using it for what it was originally meant to measure. And this is where history is important. This is fascinating to me. So personality tests really started to become popular during World War I as scientists were studying personality and mental health. So interestingly, the U.S. military started using these tests to weed people out of certain types of military service, like flying an aircraft. That is interesting, because I suspect it's not that simple. (laughs) I'm sure you suspect that too. Right. You know, because certainly over time, the subjectivity of these tests came under scrutiny. And while researchers were narrowing down the list of most scientific, reliable tests to a very few, like the Big Five and the Myers-Briggs to a lesser extent, the number and popularity of less scientific tests only increased with the public. 
So part of the issue is that most personality tests rely on self-reporting, which isn't fully objective, right? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, you know, thinking about yourself and and answering and not having like an objective you know, second person watching you or your behavior, you know, but still well-designed assessments can still provide some reasonably accurate high-level insights. And most tests seem, again, reasonably accurate when used for self-reflection, even if they're not totally scientific. Yeah, you know, I really agree with that because, you know, for me, I found the Enneagram really thought-provoking just for understanding motivations and patterns of behavior. But it shouldn't be used as an excuse, like, I'm a seven and enthusiast, so I can't be patient. <laughs> right, impossible. so true. Right. <laughs> right, so the healthy approach is just self-awareness with these tests, but not self-limiting, you know, based on a test result. So use it as a tool for growth. Yes, these tests, they can be catalysts for meaningful self-reflection if you have the right mindset. And on that note, here are some tips on how you can make them even more useful and accurate for yourself. So these tips are based on an article from Indeed.com, which we'll link to the show notes on our website at HippocraticHost.com. So first, be honest. Don't try to beat the test or respond the way you think the test or your employer wants you to respond. A test result based on inaccurate responses doesn't help anyone, certainly not yourself. Right. And second, push yourself to really think through each response and not just agreeing strongly with every option that might fit you. You know, consider your nuances. We're, again, very complex beings. Think about each option before you answer. And take your time and don't rush. Give yourself time to think about your values and your preferences. And finally, we'll just add that not all personality tests are designed for everyone in every culture. One study looked at 90,000 personality survey responses from people in 23 different countries, and they found differences in how people answered. So not just that there are cultural differences across countries, that's expected, but even differences in how people interpret the same questions. So some of this, you know, may just be that language doesn't translate perfectly. Right. And they also suggested that social differences in how people self-reflect upon their own traits or how much they trust or distrust the person giving the test or the drive to give answers that people think are desired by the test giver all affect the results. They summarize that these tests were largely developed by and for people living in white, educated, industrialized, rich and democratic or the acronym weird societies. Yeah. So, you know, the bottom line is self-knowledge is so valuable and personality tests can catalyze that process. But, you know, a grain of salt is needed too. like they shouldn't define your entire sense of self. Right. Personality tests are simply tools to provide insights that resonate with you. So take what works, leave what doesn't. Well said. Use them for self-growth and figuring out maybe how you relate to others, but don't like obsess over the results or limit yourself based on a test. Right. And that that wraps up our thoughts on the purpose and pitfalls of personality assessments. And now it's time for our physician mom hack of the week. Well, today's hack actually has nothing to do with personality tests, since those tests are sort of a way to hack into your strengths anyway. So we realize that it seems like we have neglected you, oh dear listener. We haven't given you a hack about food in far too long, but we had one up our sleeve. We have a great hack to help you save both food and money. 
Now, have you ever bought a salad mix in a bowl or leafy veggies like spinach in a bag? You might eat some one day and want to save the rest, but the next day you have a soggy brown mess? Well, put a paper towel in the bag or bowl of salad and it will absorb the extra moisture and help keep it fresh for longer. You're not only saving food and money, you're also making sure that you'll actually eat all that green goodness and keep yourself healthy. So that's our show for today. Thank you as always for listening and for all your support. So we'd love to hear from you. Have personality tests been helpful self-discovery tools for you? Or do you have other thoughts on them? Let us know. Hit us up on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms and subscribe and review us in Apple Podcasts because reviewing helps other people like you find the show. And if you'd like to support us with a monthly donation, just go to our website at hippocratichosts.com and click on the become a friend of the show button. We'll be forever grateful. Thanks everyone and talk to you soon. Thanks friends. Thanks for listening to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.